Hi, this is Mona, and this is Aaliyah. You are listening to A Devil's Tale. Despite being rated as one of the safest countries to live in, Singapore is home to some of the most bone-chilling murders that we can ever imagine. It is well reputed that Singapore has one of the lowest crime rates in the world. The Economist Intelligence Unit's 2019 Safe Cities Index ranks Singapore as the second safest city to live in, just behind Tokyo. Still. Singapore has its fair share of crazy murders that once stunned the nation. It is 6:35 a.m., January 6, 1979, when Tan Kun Chai and Li Mei Ching were leaving home for work. Together with four children, the family of six live in a one-room flat at Block 58. Tan and Lee run a minibus business, ferrying students to and from schools in the vicinity. At around 7:10 a.m., Lee made a routine call to home to wake her children up and get them ready for school. The three boys, Tan Kok Pan, who is 10 years old, Tan Kok Hin, who is 8 years old, and Tan Kok Sung, who is 6 years old, studied at Bendi Mir Road Primary School, while their younger sister Tan Ching Ni, 5 years old, attended the People's Association Kindergarten. However, when the mom called the house, no one answered the phone. After several calls, Lee called her neighbor to knock on their flat. There was no response either. She had assumed that the Tan siblings woke up early and had already left home for school. It is after 10 a.m. when Li and Tan returned home from work. But when they entered their house, what they saw were mutilated bodies of the four children, and they were found piled up on top of one another in the bathroom. All of the children were brutally slashed, with each of them having at least twenty slash wounds in their head and limbs. Ching Ni, the youngest child, had multiple slash marks on her face, while the right arm of Pen, the eldest child, was almost severed from his body. An investigation by the Criminal Investigation Department's Special Investigation Section revealed several insects. There was no sign of forced entry, suggesting that the children may have opened the door willingly. No items were reported missing, indicating that it is not a robbery went wrong. Strands of hair found on the clenched hand of Pen, the eldest child, indicated that he tried to fend off the attacker. This may have attributed to the severe slash wounds on his right arm. The murderer was believed to have used both a chopper. And a dagger, as slash and stab wounds of varying degree, can be found on the bodies of the children. The absences of any screams or loud noises suggested that the massacre may have been done by two murderers. One was in charge of pacifying the children, while the other would bring the child in sequence to the bathroom where the crime was committed. And traces of blood in the kitchen sink and absence of blood stains in the living room suggested that a cleanup was done and that the massacre was pre-planned.
The likely time of murder was between 6:35 a.m. and 7:10 a.m., suggesting that it was well planned and that the murderer knew about the family's daily routine. The initial investigations concluded that the horrific killing of the Tan siblings were premeditated, and that it was done by a close contact of the Tan family. What followed were months of investigations and hundreds of interviews with possible suspects. Several witnesses had sprung up as a result of the investigation. A witness who claimed to have seen a couple near the crime scene and soaked in blood turned out to be a hoax. Another report revealed that someone had seen Lee arguing with the man, but the witness cannot be traced. An old lady identified as Ying Ting or simply Granny would usually sit down at the corridor in the morning and watch the children play. However, on that particular day, she was in quote washing her hair and somehow did not see or hear anything. In a turn of event. A taxi driver came forward, telling investigators that he had picked up a man in his twenties, not far from the crime scene, at around 8 a.m. The man's left side was covered in bloodstains, and he had a knife concealed from the taxi driver. The knife had banged against the door when the man was exiting the taxi, and the man was later identified as in quote uncle, a Malaysian and neighbor of the Tan family. It is known that he would visit the family every other day to borrow the phone and call back to his Malaysian home. However, Uncle was released by the police two weeks after his arrest due to lack of evidence. He later moved out of Block Fifty Eight with his sister. So here's something that really creepy happened. Two weeks after the murder, Han and Lee received a Lunar New Year card. Which depicted children playing together. The couple was addressed by their nicknames Ah Chai and Ah En, and the card wrote, "Now you can have no more offspring." Ha ha ha! In Mandarin Chinese. Oh my god! So just a little background. I think their official language is English. But a lot of people there also do speak Chinese, so it's sort of a bilingual country. And this card was written in Chinese. Now, the message referred to the sterilization that Lee had undergone after the birth of the youngest child five years ago. It was a well-kept secret that Lee had only told to her family and close friends. The card was signed off as the murderer. Due to lack of advanced forensic technology in Singapore in the 70s, the fingerprint on the card could not be tested. Hence, the card cannot be traced to the perpetrator, nor can it be concluded if it was a hoax by a close member of the Tan family. But either way, though, that's fucked up. That is, and they haven't tested it later, like more recently. So the case, I will get into it. The case just reopened. Recently, so I, that's a good point. I wonder if they're going to test the card. Various theories have sprung up over the years, all of which Tan and Lee have denied. The first theory is Lee had an affair with a close friend, presumably the uncle, and that the lover killed the children after Lee's reluctance to leave her family for him. The second theory is 
Li's brother revealed that the Tan family were involved in a Tongqing scheme where individuals would agree to a common pool of money and receive dividend, with the last surviving member taking up everything. Two ladies supposedly to be involved in the scheme were said to have murdered the children. And the third theory is similar theory that it was the uncle who had asked Lee to buy the lottery, and it was alleged that the people in the area knew it was uncle who murdered the children, but kept quiet as he was part of a street gang. It was alleged that Tan and Lee were also involved in drug activities and do not want it to be exposed by the uncle, as it would lead to the death penalty. There is a YouTuber who, in 2017, uploaded a video covering this case. Her name is Elise. She did a series and she researched Singaporean public records. She revealed some other details. So Lee actually later on went for a procedure that reversed her sterilization and had another baby. Under Elise's video on YouTube, one of the highest-rated comments on her video is by a YouTuber called Assault Days, who claims to know the real story. He or she claims that the motive for the murders were over an uncollected bet, so sort of going into that lottery thing. The quote says, "Their parents were supposed to buy some numbers for a man." One day he's number one, and he wanted to collect his winnings from the tens, but they said they forgot to buy the numbers that time. He was angry and didn't believe them. When the tens bought the mini school bus to operate their transport business, it confirmed in his mind that they had bought the lottery numbers but kept his winnings for themselves. This person claimed that the suspect was involved in a gang activity, which made the tens and their neighbors fear the revenge. Also, this creepy detail: after the murders, there were rumors from the neighbors that they could hear kids running and playing in the Tan apartment at night or when they are not home. Some neighbors also claimed to see ghostly kids running around in the apartment when they looked inside from the kitchen window. And then, so I went on to Reddit because it's an unsolved case. There are some Reddit comments about it, and then there was one that I thought was pretty interesting. It said, "I live in Singapore, and according to my mother, this is the commonly accepted version of events. It explains most things. It has been generally speculated that the parents knew who committed the murders and may have withheld information." They relocated and have another child, and it seems like they just wanted to put this whole thing past them. The four siblings were buried a day after the murder at a very famous cemetery. They were dressed in their best clothes and buried along with their school bags and beloved toys. Lee, the mother, had fainted many times as her children were put in their respective caskets. After the gruesome murder, the couple gave up their minibus business and worked in a plastic bag manufacturing firm. On December thirtieth, nineteen eighty-three, Lee reversed the sterilization and did, in fact, give birth to a baby boy. But in April twenty twenty-one this year, the case was revived because apparently. 
apparently new information was provided by a member of the public. The Crime Library Singapore does these charity drives to raise awareness on unsolved cases and crime prevention. This case being especially gruesome and still unsolved, it is often cited, which finally paid off because more information came out. According to this member of the public, there were incorrect reporting in the media about the case in the 70s. In some of the article, it says the crime happened on floor four, but it's actually on floor five. And something about the mom, Lee, they said she was a local Singaporean, but she's not locally born. And this person who came forward also said that the neighbors knew something and it's worth asking them questions again. So basically, based on these information, the case got appealed by the crime lab and they're in the process of getting information to find all these old neighbors who live near them because everybody has moved away at this point. A news reporter tracked down Miss Lee, now in her 70s and living with her grandson. Her husband has been deceased for a long time. When she was informed that the investigation has resumed, she remained silent for a long time with tears in her eyes. Although she wasn't willing to talk about the past any longer, she nodded when asked if she hopes the case can be solved and said she'll leave the case to the police. I think for me, the weirdest part is that the parents were not very involved and wanting to get justice for basically all of their children. Yeah, that is pretty alarming. Which theory do you think you align most with? I wouldn't be shocked that if it has something to do with the lottery. And I do believe that the parents know who it is based on that New Year's card. Because not only this person knows about her surgery, this person also know their nickname. They didn't address them as 10-something, Lee-something. They addressed them as their nickname. And so I do think that they must know who it is. And the question is, why wouldn't they come forward with this information to the police? And that makes me think maybe they did something shady to this person, that if they do come forward, they also will go to jail. I wonder if they're just afraid to, because especially now that they have, you know, their grandchildren. But this is like so long after, right? But I just mean like at the time, why didn't they come forward? That's just so scary, though. It's just very random. There's really no information on the motive. It's literally just four children got brutally killed. Yeah, it seems extreme for a lottery issue. The reason that I think it's somebody they know is because there's no forced entry. Yeah, because the children probably saw them and felt comfortable to open the door to that person. The eldest child was 10 years old. By 10 years old, you know. You know, it's not like five. I can see how that could be debatable. But when you're 10, it's a huge city. And it's something you learn as a kid in the city, that stranger danger. And they lived in an apartment, right? Because they're on the fifth floor. Usually those have some sort of security. The 70s, though. 70s, true. Back then, you could get away with anything. To all of our listeners, thank you for all of your support so far. We would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram at a devil's tale. 
please say hi in the comment section and feel free to DM us. If you have any feedback and story requests, you can email us at adevilstale at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe if you have enjoyed all the stories so far. Thank you so much for tuning in again and we will see you next time.